This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, December 15th, 2023. I'm Caleb Brown. The battle for educational freedom is a long slog, but with big victories for the side of choice, innovation, and entrepreneurship in recent years. Ben Toma is the Republican Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives. We discuss the wide variety of education options in Arizona, the advice he has for other states pursuing school choice, and why giving parents a wide variety of options for their kids is less controversial in a purple state than you might think. I like to tell people that I thought I couldn't be any more in favor of school choice. And then I had three kids. And uh, the, the notion that some central authority, uh, in this case, the state, specifically uh, can tell me and my family uh, give us a bunch of money, and then we will decide, uh, one, where your kids go to school, and two, what will be taught there. And that has always struck me. Uh, uh, it was, since becoming a parent, uh, I've become sort of radicalized just by that process of uh, understanding that these are uh, impressionable young people and that I'm their primary teacher. Um, Arizona has been a leader in school choice for a long time. In fact, setting precedents at the Supreme Court with uh, various programs that Arizona has. What to what do you owe that success? Well, first and foremost, I think it's important to note that um, that there is a libertarian undertone to to Arizona in general. We're, we're kind of the Wild West in many ways, you know, home of the Maverick, uh, at least some time ago. And 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 there's always been um, kind of this feeling that we do what we think is right for Arizona, and that's it. And sort of regardless of what's going on elsewhere. Now, there are limits, of course, to that. But the, so that's the first thing. Second thing is people matter. And being in in the right place at the right time, and then taking the right action also matters. And I still remember the first time that, uh, ironically, perhaps I was in D.C. the day that uh, Governor Youngkin got elected, for a completely unrelated reason, of course. And I remember thinking, how did that happen? How did the how did Virginia pick a pick a Republican governor in 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 2021? And it, I realized it was a lot about parental choice. Now, at the same time, the backdrop was that we were going to have a, a huge budget surplus in 2022. The session was about to begin. We we're going to have a huge budget surplus. And I knew we were going to have a ton of pressure to to give most of it to K-12, because that's our biggest single line item. I think it is in almost every state, our biggest uh, expense point. And, and also background. So in my case, you know, I'm, I was, you probably already know this, but I was born in a communist country and uh, came to this country at the age of nine. And um, and that was very much this whole central authority thing that you're talking about was very much the, the sort of communist socialist approach to things we know better. The experts know better than you do as a parent. I'm a parent myself. I can tell you, I wholeheartedly agree, disagree with that notion. As a matter of fact, among our, our five girls, uh, we have twins that are fraternal and they're nine day difference. And what works for one does not work for the other. One is a bookworm and loves to study and, and sort of do her thing. The other one couldn't care less about any of that. Um, she's wired completely differently. And, uh, and, and again, we realized it didn't work. So all that background, 
bottom line is it just came to came to me that really this was the opportunity for us to do something uh, right and finally fix a problem in a system that's inherently anti-American at the very least, which is that government is going to tell you what to do. No, we think parents should be able to choose and that they're going to make a better choice for their kids than any centralized authority ever could. So what does it mean that uh, uh, to adopt a quote unquote universal school choice program? It's, you know, the, the, the school choice people I know are, you know, hail 2023 as the year of universal school choice where many states have adopted it or are on track to fully move to uh, universal programs. What does that mean for uh, in, in a state like Arizona? Well, so I'm glad that 2023 is that year. I will point out that the reason 2023 is is the year of school choice is because Arizona did it in 2022. Uh, we did it first, and we sort of opened the floodgates uh, to uh, to making this possible. And I think others have now seen rightly that this is not only possible, but its time has come, and it's the right thing to do. In terms of universal, to, to define that, it truly is universal in Arizona, meaning there is no... Uh, income requirement. There's no other restrictions of any kind. You can at any point as a parent, uh, whether, okay, most, most parents make this decision in the, in the summer, right? Because they don't necessarily want to change where their kid's going to school already if they're already plugged into something. Um, but if for whatever reason your child is in a school and it doesn't work and you realize this in, say now, in, in, in November, December timeframe, you can now still make that very same choice for your child, sign up for the ESA program, get that process going. It does take about you know, two to three weeks to get that going. Uh, but once that's done, you now have an option. You can send your child to a private school. You can send it to your local church school. You can start your own micro school if you want. You can uh, go homeschool, join a co-op. All those things are now a possibility that, that were never a possibility before without any uh, prerequisites. There's this famous concept, loyalty, voice, and exit. And uh, you know, my my wife has reminded me recently of how important it is, and uh, the notion of having voice in a system that is, in this case, parents going and talking to the school board, parents uh, having conversations with teachers, asking for some specialized instruction for their kids. That voice is utterly uh, meaningless without the power of exit. That's 100% correct. And one of the side benefits of this that I think is often overlooked, um, but really is a massive, uh, massive benefit to the entire uh, system, to the entire state, to every child, is, is that very point. In other words, it acts as almost like a, an insurance policy against um, uh, people in the system no longer caring or not having to make those adjustments. Now, now you have to, otherwise you lose the the, the child, the parent chooses a different option, or they could, uh, when practically before they really couldn't. Uh, you know, that actually reminds me of something I wanted to mention earlier, which is that uh, often the the accusations and the, and the attack from those that are anti parental choice on on us that have pushed this has been that well, you're just imp- you're just giving money to the rich, you're giving money to it. So it's actually wait, hold on a second. The rich always had those abilities. Right. If you're wealthy, you can pull your child out. You can hire a tutor. You can, you know, you can send them to any private school, no matter how exclusive it is, because you can afford it. It's what we've done is the exact opposite. Now we've empowered everyone to do exactly those those same things. And uh, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. Without that threat, maybe threat's a strong word, but without that 
possibility uh, that a parent can, can at any time choose to to pull their child out to exit the system, which which comes with the financial impact, of course, to to these schools. Uh, there's very little incentive, and there has been very little incentives to actually uh, make those adjustments that are necessary for the child. One of the uh, issues that has been raised in, I don't know if it's Arizona, but in other states that are moving toward uh, universal school choice, is that parents still don't, in many cases, still don't know that they have those options. Sure. I mean, it, that's, a, that's a real problem. Um, I, I think people People are starting to notice, at least in Arizona, considering we had, uh, uh, before we did this, we had a very limited uh, school choice uh, ESA, which uh, had about 10,000 students on it um, uh, statewide. And the, it was limited largely to uh, to children with uh, with special needs in terms of their uh, IEPs and, and, and so on. Uh, so now, though, we've, again, we've, we've, we've implemented this really only in October of, of last year. So it's been really about a year. We're now over 70,000 kids that are now part of the ESA program, which is about seven, maybe 6% of our total uh, children now in, in, in K-12 in the state. So it's growing. Parents are starting to notice. Uh, by the way, part of the bill, not that necessarily every state has to do this, but we actually did appropriate last year um, a, a little bit of, uh, of funds, uh, $10 million or so to to actually promote and to educate parents as well. Um, but there are, you know, there are things that are happening. For example, the, some of the opposition is trying to convince, especially Hispanic parents, I've heard this now from multiple sources, that uh, these are grants, uh, or not even grants, but these are loans that you're going to have to pay back to the state. And there's sort of these sort of attempts to trick and deceive, which are... Um, Highly unfortunate. I think most 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 parents, though, are, are starting to realize this is an option. There are many states that are still struggling with this issue, and they're having the same sort of rhetorical back and forth as uh, Arizona had many years ago. So, what what's the what's the blue sky vision for school choice for other states that are looking at it more seriously? Well, I do think that there is something to be said about incrementalism uh, to a certain extent uh, when it comes to some of these some of these programs. And we, we were uh, uh, in Arizona. We've been we've been friendly towards charter schools for for decades. We've had open enrollment. Um, we've had, a, as I said before, a limited ESA that was on the books since I believe 2010. Uh, so, so we've been making little steps towards uh, towards more and more parental choice and more and more school choice in general. Uh, so now we took a giant leap, which, uh, which again, no one thought possible early on, but, uh, but we made that happen and now others are doing the same thing. So, you know, it may be that, 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 in, 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 and this is specific to each individual state because of the way their, their systems are structured, but I would say making, making those incremental steps, perhaps this year to, to, to fix some of the way that they, they, they do school funding in order to ensure that the money can follow the child. Uh, those types of things are worthwhile still. And then that build upon that um, in, in the coming session. And I got to say, this is not even a partisan issue fundamentally, other than the capitals. Of course, they're super partisan. But uh, among parents, uh, pretty much of every persuasion, they're overwhelmingly in support, uh, whether they're Democrats, independents, libertarians, whatever they might be, uh, obviously Republicans as well. Um, so I, I do think this is a winning issue regardless, and it's definitely worth pursuing. 
Republican Ben Toma is the Speaker of the Arizona House of Representatives. We spoke last month in Phoenix. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please. And thank you for listening.